for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thank you. All right. I'm going to be teaching today out of Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, you're welcome to. But I'll get there in a minute. Last week, we started our Advent series. And in our Advent series, uh, we began with hope, that we have a hope because of Christ Jesus, that Jesus brought hope, that Jesus continues to bring hope, and that he promises an eternal hope to us. And so that should cause us to be people who walk in hope, in expectation that the promises of God are true over our life. Today I want to talk to you about peace. And the peace that we can have that is oftentimes, as Pastor Rick said, seems so incredibly elusive to us. Here's the truth. It's elusive for a reason. Because we think that peace is a consequence of our, we think that peace can't exist where there's chaos, where there's confusion, where there's any of those kinds of things. The fact of the matter is, true peace, the peace that we know in Christ Jesus, doesn't have anything to do at all with our circumstance. It has everything to do with our position. It's all about consequence. The consequence of our relationship with God through Christ Jesus is what gives us peace. I have peace not because the world is peaceful. If that was what I determined my peace in, I would be upside down all the time. Because I don't know if y'all know this, the world has lost its mind. And half the church. But we don't grade the level of our peace or the foundation of our peace on what's going on around us. We grade our peace, we walk in peace because of the Spirit of God that lives inside of us is a spirit of peace. And so we're not shakable. We are immovable because of the peace that we have, not because of the lack of conflict. People say, man, I don't have any peace. Well, what do you mean? Well, this is going on and that's going on and this is going on. Set all that aside, you still have peace because you have Jesus. And that's what I hope to explain to you today, the peace that comes with Jesus. Jesus himself said this, in John 14, 27, he said, Peace I leave you with. This is during his final discourse as he's beginning to tell his disciples, Listen, I'm about to leave. He said, But peace I leave with you. I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm going to give you peace. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives it, do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let it be be fearful. He gave us peace by sending the Holy Spirit to us. And so because we're in relationship with Jesus, because we are blessed with that, we walk in peace. Because this true peace has a promise. Isaiah 54.10 says this, and I want you all to get a hold of this. This is important. For the mountains may be moved and the hills may shake. You guys had any of your mountains moved or your hills shake this year? 
If you had something that's caused you to backpedal and go, man, I'm not walking in the peace I should be walking in. That's not going my way. That's not according to the plan that I had. None of those things matter in regard to God because God is eternal. We are eternal beings. We just happen to be in the flesh. And so I grade my peace, not based on what's happening right now, but what I have promised as the hope of my eternity. There's a reason these are going in a particular order. And so I have peace that even when my mountain shakes or the hills move, it doesn't matter. My loving kindness, that's a capital M, that's God, will not be removed from you. And my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. So even when the mountains are moved, even when the hills shake, God says, I'm still here. Do you hear me? I'm still here. The covenant that I made with you, the one that says I will never leave you or forsake you, the one that says I will hold you in my righteous right hand, the one that says I am the strong tower, that you have a right to as a believer to run to in your times of trouble. I'm still here. I haven't broken my covenant with you. So don't let your mountain moving freak you out. Because God will allow whatever is around you to shake to bring you to a place of greater peace and greater understanding in who He is. That's the benefit of a jealous God. He's going to shake all that can be shaken so that you know the foundation that you do stand on is firm. And that should bring us peace. And so I'm going to talk out of Isaiah today to discuss these reasons for peace. Before I do that, I want to tell you the biggest reason, one of the biggest reasons I have the peace that I have. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that I don't struggle from time to time. Something pops up and it takes me a while of kind of getting back on my heels and squaring my feet up. But there's, there's, a, there's something about the Word of God. And let me explain to you what it is. There are, just in the book of Isaiah, over 60 messianic prophecies that Jesus fulfilled each of them perfectly. Now, that, those are messianic prophecies that were written 700 years before Jesus showed up, before the days of email, before the days of telephone, before the days of the postal service, before any of those things existed. 700 years before then, Isaiah prophesied by the Spirit of God, this is who Jesus is, this is what he'll look like, this is what he will accomplish, and he got it right in every single detail and in every single incident. That's pretty impressive, right? It is pretty impressive. And then figure that over 350 times throughout the Old Testament, there are messianic prophecies, and all over 350 of those were fulfilled perfectly in Christ Jesus. Not, okay, you know, that kind of could be him. They were fulfilled perfectly in Christ Jesus. You want to know why that brings me peace? Because if God can orchestrate that, I know that he's in control. I know that Jesus is who the Word of God says Jesus is. And if Jesus is who, God, who the Word of God says Jesus is, then I can hang literally everything I am on the hope that is Christ Jesus. And that brings me peace. The probability, I'm a, I'm a numbers guy, I'm a linear thinker. I'm not a numbers guy, I'm actually a horrible numbers guy. But I am a linear thinker. This plus this must equal this. 
if all of that's true, the probability of one person fulfilling every one of those prophecies specifically as he fulfilled them and perfectly is 10 to the 14th power. You know what that means? That means 10 times 10 is 100. Times 10 is 1,000. Times 10 is 10,000. Times 10 is 100,000. Times 10 is a million. Times 10 is 10 million. Times 10 is 100 million. Times 10 is 1 billion. Everybody get where I'm coming from? And then on and on into a trillion. By the time you get to the 11th power, you're into the trillions. And I, I'm not sure what happens after a trillion. It's a greater number than I can, well, honestly, $37 more money than I can comprehend. Bigger number than I can comprehend. But certainly I don't know what that number means. But Jesus fulfilled it all. Let that bring you peace. This is not a man-made ideology. It is not a man-made concept. If it was, it could be destroyed easily and you would have no peace. But it is absolutely certain. And at least in the book of Isaiah, it was made certain and written down by the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit 700 years in advance. Man, that's good. That's why I trust what the Word says. And so I want to talk to you out of this. I'm going to make three points. They're not going to be very long. And simply, I'm just going to kind of walk you through verses 1 through 7. The first point I want to make today is Jesus brings peace from anguish. In verses 1 through 3, let me read. But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun, that's he, God, treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Y'all understand? No, man, nobody understands that. You got to dig into that. What does that mean? Land of Naphtali and all this kind of stuff. Let me explain it to you because I took the time to try to figure it out because if it's in there, it's got to make some sense. It's got to be in there for a reason. So this is what it means. It says, where there was gloom for her who was in anguish, in earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulon and Naphtali with contempt. What is the land of Zebulon and Naphtali? Just so you know, he's prophesying that at some point a remnant to Israel, that at some point a remnant will come back to Israel. And the land that they would be in exile in was on the far, let's just say on the map, if you're looking at it, it's on the far right. And Naphtali and Zebulon are between that land and the Mediterranean Sea. Do you know what exists between the captivity and the Mediterranean Sea? Israel. And so he's saying, listen, there was a time when he held the people in contempt. You know why? Because the people were contemptuous. Because they were rebelled. That's the reason why they were led off into captivity in the first place. And so, he says, the land of Naphtali with contempt, but later, everybody say, but later. He shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Here's, here's what he's saying. The people of God acted contemptuously and so he treated them with contempt. 
But there's coming a time where he's going to remove their contempt and bring them to glory. And he's going to do it by way of the sea, Galilee. Who came from Galilee? Jesus. He's prophesying there'll be a time when the Messiah, when the Savior that's going to move you from contempt to glory is going to come. And that promise is still true for us today. There will be a time, if there already hasn't been a time in your life, where the Holy Spirit will move on you and you'll move from a place of gloom and anguish and contemptuousness to a place of glory because Jesus from Galilee came and was born, died and was raised again. Amen? And so he's just setting the stage, but that doesn't make any sense. What is, what is Galilee? Galilee is just this little thing. It doesn't matter. And not only from Galilee, but he came from little bitty Nazareth. The Bible says, somebody asked, does any good thing come from Nazareth? That's how small and insignificant Nazareth was. Let me tell you, we serve a God that is just absolutely and beautifully capable and desires to take care of us. If you don't follow me on Facebook, I put this thought on our Facebook page last earlier this week as I was studying this. It just hit me that we serve a God that was willing to, to, to move from obscurity to obscurity to obscurity. That is, to Bethlehem, born in, in obscurity in a cave, to Egypt, living in obscurity for safety, back to Galilee in obscurity in Nazareth so that we could move from glory to glory to glory. And that should bring us peace. But it should also challenge us because if God is willing to move in obscurity so that other people, us, they will move from glory to glory, oughtn't we? And we're most capable of doing that when we walk in the peace, demonstrate the peace, and show the peace that we have to other people. Because in an environment like the world that we live in, people that walk with that kind of peace, other people want to know what is it about you that's different. And you get an opportunity to tell them, well, let me tell you what's different about me. What's different about me is that God moved me from contempt to glory by way of Galilee through Christ Jesus. Amen? And so he continues. He says, the people who walk in darkness will see a light. He's still talking about Jesus. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Jesus is the light according to the word of God. He, through his work, moved us from darkness to light. We lived in the kingdom of darkness. Ephesians 5.8 says, For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. We are now in the kingdom of light because the light came to save us. Because the light came to pull us out of that darkness so that we might have peace. Do you know I'm at the least, my, my least peaceful place is in the dark. Angela will tell you that. It freaks me out. I'm 52 years old and I've seen a lot of stuff. 
but I don't eat unless all the lights in the room are on because I like to see what I'm eating. It, it makes me nervous to eat off a plate I can't see. My wife and I will be walking through the house, getting ready for bed, and she'll shut all the lights off. I'm standing in the middle of the living room. I stand still until she realizes what she's done. After 17 years, she's figured this out. She'll go back to the light switch and turn it back on. I don't know why I'm like that. I just am. But I'll tell you, when that light comes back on, I find my peace. In the light of Christ Jesus, I find my peace. And here's the thing. Because I found my peace in the light, I'm obligated to be the light. This is what God tells us, that we are to be the light in the world, just as Christ came to be the light in the world. That which you've been given, you've been given to give away so that others may have the peace that you have. Verse 3, you shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. These are the blessings associated with moving from darkness to light. You shall multiply the nation. God has multiplied the nations. He has increased our number. He has increased our gladness. I would ask anybody that's ever truly tasted grace, if you've given your life to the Lord, has your gladness been increased since that day? Yeah, you know why? Because the peace of God resides in you. Because you're harder to shake than you used to be. That's a product of the Spirit of God in you through the work of Christ done for you and the plan of God accomplished through Him. Man, I just want us to have peace. I'm messing up. I don't have it all the time. Like I said, there are things that just I struggle with. And I know you think, man, you're, you're preaching. You, you should have all this stuff figured out. If that was true, nobody would ever preach. Because contrary to what many, some may tell you, I've never met a preacher that ever had it all together, that had it all right. And perhaps if more preachers told you, I ain't got it all figured out, you'd feel comfortable enough to let God into your life. It's because you know you ain't got it figured out either. You're not standing alone. But Christ Jesus offers you peace. Stand in that. Even when you reel back, even when there's news that you weren't prepared for, Reel back for a second and then plant your feet and be glad because of who you are and the light that lives inside of you. Amen? That's peace. That's peace that isn't swayed by our circumstance. And he continues. He said, you'll be glad in your presence. They will be glad in your presence. Man, some of the sweetest times of my life is when I'm in the presence of the Lord in prayer and worship. And I'm not saying that as some hyper-spiritual something. I'm telling you, there's a place you get to in worship and in prayer and praise that is just sweet like honey. You never want to leave that place. And I encourage you, there's an old, there's a saying that the older folks used to say, pray through till you get through. But we don't pray long enough sometimes to get through. People say, how do I know I've prayed through to get through? 
when you're exhausted and can't think of anything else to pray about and that sweetness comes over you, it'll happen. You'll know you've gotten through. Well, my prayers hit the ceiling. Pray through till you get through. Well, I'm not seeing the answers to my prayer. Pray through till you get through. And if you'll do that, you'll be glad in His presence. And that gladness will be like the gladness of the harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. So he's writing to an agrarian society, a farmer society. And never in all of the year is it a happier time than when the whole community comes together and celebrates harvest time. We should be people of joy because we're people of peace. Amen? And I'm glad that we are because... God determined that we shouldn't live in contempt but in glory and gave us Christ Jesus. Man, it's almost like that's good. Oh, wait a minute. That is good. Number two. Jesus brings peace from oppression and conflict. Four. Chapter four. Verse 4 says for, which really means because. I want you to have peace because you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders. The rod of their oppressor is at the battle of Midian. Well, okay. Did you know that we, prior to Jesus, wore a yoke of burden? And had a staff of oppression on us? Do you know what the enemy exists for? Do you know what he does? He does one thing three ways. He steals, kills, and destroys. He tries to take from you that which is rightfully yours. Even as a Christian, he's going to try to take from you that which is rightfully yours. But Jesus Christ came so that you might have life and have it what? more abundantly. Don't let the enemy take from you that which God has given you. Live in the abundant life that God gave you, which offers you peace. Now that's not just life abundantly right now. If it was just life abundantly right now, I wouldn't have any peace. It's life abundantly for all eternity, which is why I have peace. I'm 52 years old. That really didn't concern me when I was 20. Because all I, I couldn't imagine a time when I might die. I used to jump out of airplanes thinking I was indestructible. Now I just turn, throw my legs off the bed. All my warning lights come on. I don't know what's going on, but I'm hurting in places I didn't go to sleep hurting. And so I'm thinking, man, the... The joy that I'm living in, the peace that I'm living in, although it's good right now, the abundant life is good. It's the abundant life that I'm hoping for that I'm waiting on because 10,000 years from now, the peace that I'm living in right now, I may not even remember. But I'll be living in that peace then. And it says this. It's very interesting. The rod of the oppressor is at the battle of Midian. So here's the battle of Midian. In 2 Kings, I believe it's chapter 19. There's a story of the Assyrian king, King Sennacherib. 
comes against the city of Jerusalem and King Hezekiah. And the king of Sennacherib was good at conflict. He was good at war. He was good at destroying. Matter of fact, he wrote a letter to King Hezekiah. I'd recommend you go read it. It's an incredible story, but I'm, I'm going to, for time's sake, I'm going to paraphrase it. So he's really good. And so he writes a letter to, the, to King Hezekiah, and this is what he tells him. Listen, every enemy I've ever come across, I've beat. Nobody's ever been under this, to stand under the strength of who I am in my army. And I'm aiming that army at you, and I'm going to destroy you, and I'm going to raise your city to the ground. Would that freak you out? Yeah, that's a, I mean, the, the biggest, strongest army of the time is coming against this king. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't freak out. He walked in the provision of the peace that he has. He took that letter and did what we should all do with it when the enemy tries to oppress us. He takes that letter and according to the word, he spreads it out on the altar of God. And he essentially says this, God, I got this problem, but because I belong to you, this is your problem. Can you help me out? I told you I'm paraphrasing. But can I tell you, if you belong to God, your problem becomes His problem. Most of the problems we have is because we don't recognize that the problem solver we belong to is God and He's capable of taking care of us. And so He says, this is, this is what the threat that's come against me. What are you going to do? And God essentially answers him a little bit further on in the chapter. He said, he said I'm going to protect you. He says this, incredible, this is one of the most incredible statements in all the scripture to me. He says, because of, the, because of my servant David, he starts his answer with that. David was like his great, great, great grandfather. Get a hold of that. God is faithful to a thousand generations. You know why I pray over my grandbabies? Because at some point in their life when they need something from God, I believe God's going to say because of the faithfulness of your grandfather, because of the faithfulness of my servant Angela, because of the faithfulness of my servant Jim, I'm going to answer your prayer. I believe they'll be in covenant with him too, but I believe our faithfulness will weigh in on their blessing. It's the reason why I want to pray for my great-grandkids if I get to see them because I believe that God is faithful to a thousand generations. And so he says, which should bring us peace, right? My grandmother used to tell me, you can sin all you want. I was like, well, I'm trying. <laughs> and then she'd hit me with, but you ain't never going to outrun your granny's prayers. And she was right, man. Every time I sinned and did something I shouldn't do, I suffered horrible consequence for that because my grandmother was praying against the sin in my life because she ultimately needed my sin to break me so that I could see my need for Jesus anyway because of my servant David there's a nugget in there for all y'all but because of my servant David not a single arrow will fly into this city what a promise when you're surrounded by the strongest military in the known world at that time and God says, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of it. Not a single arrow is going to fly in here. And then that night, a miracle happens. 
God sends a single angel according to the word of God. It's not a metaphor. This is history. First and second kings are written as history. As crazy as some of the stuff is, we serve a God that's capable of crazy things. And that should bring us peace too. But one angel was sent from heaven and destroyed 185,000 well-trained, battle-strong warriors. And King Sennacherib fled back to his country. That's peace. He said, I'm going to offer you peace as in the battle of Midian. That's the battle of Midian he's talking about. Do you know your God's strong enough to take care of you? Let that bring peace. That he's made promises over your life. Let that bring peace. That the enemy wants to oppress you, but God is bigger, stronger, faster than the enemy, more capable, omnipresent. We give so much credit to the enemy, man. The enemy's not omni-anything. He's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. People are, devil's on me today. No, he ain't. Now, a demon or a devil might be on you, but not the devil's not on you. He's not, he's not omnipresent. He probably doesn't even know you. If I was, If there was only one of me, and I was trying to destroy, I'd destroy the person that's creating the most problems for me. And most of the, I'd say everybody I've ever met doesn't qualify as that guy. He's not messing with you. Most of the problems that we have are because we don't trust the promises of God and step outside the word of God and do something stupid. Man, I got financial problems. No, you don't. You got drinking problems. It's just ruined your finances. I got marital problems. No, you don't. You got a sex problems. Ruined your marriage. Anyway, am I talking to anybody today? Because there's freedom from all of that in Christ Jesus, and that should bring us peace. And then he continues, for every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult, which is the confusion of battle, and the cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire. So he says there'll be a time when the plowshare will, or the sword will be beat into a plowshare. There won't be any more fight. There won't be any more conflict. But listen to me. Even if you never see that time this side of eternity, you can still walk in peace. That's the comfort of God. That's the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That the battle that everyone else around me is fighting, I don't have to fight if I'm obedient to the Word of God. That's a big deal. Do you know Saul was told to kill all the Philistines? King Saul, some of you didn't know that. If you don't know, he was commanded to kill these Philistines, kill all of them, leave none of them alive. You know who David fought? Goliath. You know why David fought Goliath? Because Saul was disobedient. Had he killed everybody that he was supposed to have killed, that fight would have never happened. Most of the fights that we fight, we fight due to a lack of obedience. But if we would be obedient, we'd live in the peace that David could have known had Saul been obedient. If you'll look at David's mighty men at the very last listing of the mighty men and all that they accomplished, it lists like four or five other giants, descendants of Goliath. 
and it describes them exactly as they describe Goliath. So they had to fight the same fight over and over and over and over again because Saul was disobedient. But Saul never knew peace. You can know peace through your obedience. Amen? And then finally he says this, and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. When it says the government will rest on his shoulders, he's not saying that, well, he's talking about government, but primarily he's talking about authority. All authority will rest on him. Listen to me, all authority will rest on him. Then he says this, he gives his name, Jesus, four beautiful, wonderful names. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There's an adjective before each one. He's wonderful. He's above comprehension. And he's a wonderful counselor. What does a counselor do? A counselor is present. A counselor listens. A counselor is compassionate. A counselor helps you when you're struggling. That is the wonderful, above all else, counselor that is Christ Jesus. He is a mighty God, superior in his power. He is a an eternal father. He is perfectly everything a father should be. He's protective. He's provisional. He loves his children. And he does it perfectly. And he is the Prince of Peace, which means that he commands peace over your life. For all of these reasons, we should have peace. Amen? Point number three, and I'm, I'm essentially finished. But let me say this as kind of a close. Jesus brings peace that is eternal. Verse 7, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. For then on and forevermore. I can guarantee that his authority, his justice and his righteousness will endure forever. Because his authority is forever, because his justice is forever, his perfect justice, and his righteousness, which has been passed on to us, is forever, we should have peace because we shall live forever. There's one last line here that freaks me out. And by freaks me out, I mean I love it. It says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. You can't accomplish your own peace. The zeal of the Lord accomplishes your peace. His, his desire, his passion for you accomplishes your peace. I love that because anything I've ever tried to put my own hand to, I mess up. But he'll, he will accomplish it. And so I ask you the simple question in closing. How's your peace? Do you struggle with any of the four names that is Jesus? He's a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, 
that he's any of those things? Do you struggle with the oppressor coming against you, not sure how to defeat him? Let me tell you, read your word, and you'll find out how to defeat him. You defeat him by the word of God. Is your world upside down? Does your mountains shake too often? Has your circumstance created a lack of peace in your life? And you don't know my finances, Pastor Jim. You don't know what my family's going through, Pastor Jim. You don't know what my job looks like, Pastor Jim. I don't know any of those things. You're right for most of you. But I know the one who knows all of those things. And he can be trusted with all of those things. And as we move into this season of Christmas, I want you to walk in the peace that's available to you.